The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Raising capital or taking your business to the world? Investment Fix has everything you need to make it happen. This season, we're exploring the US market, the opportunities it offers, what it takes to grow a business there, and the best way to approach investors. The Investment Fix Podcast. Tune in today. The Fold is brought to you by O Media, making brands unmissable and public spaces better across Aotearoa. Kia ora and welcome to The Fold. Uh, this week my guest is Sido uh, Kitchen, who is an absolute legend of, of magazines in New Zealand and just the media industry generally comes from one of those families where there's, you'll, you just see the name crop up periodically and wonder if they're related. They are all related. They're all the, from the same family. The, 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 the kitchens are one of like, like the Nevilles or, or any number of others. There's, there's just a few families that have really made media their home. Uh, but Cedo might well be the, the, um, the most prominent and, and dominant of them, and she has made women's media her, her space. She uh, has worked at, in publicity at, at TVNZ in the absolute glory days, and we get to that. And uh, it'll kind of if you if you work in the media still, or if you're used to, you'll kind of your heart will break a bit thinking, you know, hearing about her, you know, taking a helicopter to go and get Judy Bailey for a photo shoot because that's the kind of budgets that existed back then. Um, but also, she, you know, has has edited the Women's Weekly, Women's Day. And has now just launched uh, at School Road Publishing four brand new titles. Uh, I mean, this obviously it's been a year of of immense turmoil in the magazine industry, the fall of power, but also the huge flowering of independence that we've seen. But no one has moved so hard and aggressively as, as Cedo and School Road. Um, so, hearing about the collapse of, of Bauer you know, how it was impacted by the government um, ban on magazines, how close she came to acquiring Women's Weekly, and then, you know, the the quite interesting process by which uh, School Road came to be is is fascinating to me. Um, and honestly, the, the reflection of confidence in magazines uh, in New Zealand that, that, that it implies, because... I think for a lot of people, and she re- sort of resists this characterization quite strongly, um, there was this idea that Bauer's collapse meant that Bauer was basically, you know, an unprofitable business that that was was always going to fall. It was a question of when. I mean, what what Cito said, and she would would know, should know, is is that it really wasn't that way, and that's why she was so has been so comfortable in in uh, launching. Four titles into this uh, very uncertain environment. Um, we pick up with, you know, with Monday when she put the first of them, um, a, a biweekly title called "Woman to Bed," and and the emotion of that moment, and then just just uh, go where the conversation leads. I think it's a really good chat. I really do wish her well. I think the independent media needs. Um, you know, like the the, the energy. I, I would love to think that the the energy that's in the space right now continues. And I think with people like Cedo there, who've got this amazing hit, uh, sort of track record and history, there is a really good shot at it. So yeah, have a listen. Kia ora, Cedo. Kia ora. And uh, welcome to the fold. Lovely to meet you, Duncan. Lovely to meet you too. I mean, I've, I feel like it's, it's. I feel like it's a failing on my part to have not. I, I've been at tables with you, like yeah. long lunch tables, yeah. and and I've watched you um, <laughs> work the room, but I've never actually met you before. Um, which is, yeah, like I say, it feels like a fault because your your career has been just, you know, enormous in terms of of what you've done. But I want to start. With like the, the 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 literally the most recent part of it, which is that you have just put the first issue to bed of of woman, uh, yeah. You know, like the, the the first magazine from your uh, your new stable. Tell me, tell me how that feels and and what that process was like. Oh, I've had ups and downs over the last forty eight hours. I went home on. Monday night, um, I drove from Stanley Street, where we're based, onto the motorway. Got off at Western Springs, where I live, and on that, on that short 
um, drive. There was no traffic on the motorway. It was about nine o'clock at night. There was an Annie Lennox ballad playing on the on coast, and I got overwhelmed. I had a moment, um, and I, you know, I keep my composure at times like this normally, but I did have a moment. I got a bit teary. Could have been Annie Lennox. Could have been the fear of. Uh, a grammatical error <laughs> turning up in my magazine. But I think it was just, I'm just overwhelmed with joy, to be honest. I love deadline days on magazines. I love deadline night. It's where everyone laughs, they go a bit nutty, and everybody's working so hard to try and make it as good as they can. Um, and then yesterday, uh, Tuesday, the mag actually got sent to the printers. So it was interesting during the morning. It was a hive of activity. There were so many people. One news came in with the cameras, and it just looked so buzzy. There were so many people. There was so much going on. Um, then I went out to check... Uh, um, the cover to do press pass the cover out at Woody and um, got there and got to got to see my final you know proofs of the cover which was another amo- amazing moment. I was a bit more um, composed, I have to say. I was feeling pretty pleased and proud, nervous but pleased and proud. But then I drove back on the motorway, came back to the office, and there was nobody there. It was completely dead. So I sat by myself and had a beer and sort of cleared my desk because I had all these mock-ups of covers, um, shoved them in the timber unit because I'm useless at, <laughs> uh, with my paperwork. I just hid it away and went, oh, I guess, I guess that's it. Now, now I've got to do another one in a fortnight. <laughs> I mean, because that, that's the thing that I miss most. Like I've you know, worked in magazines and now we're, we're in a digital publication, obviously, but there's something about the rhythm, mm. that frenzy you just described. I was like, I miss that, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and then that, that beautiful void, like the best time, in my opinion, of any editor's life is the void between it having gone to the printers but before it's come back and yeah. <laughs> you know any any mistakes whatever they're off in the you can't do much you, about you, it you can't do anything yeah, about it yeah yeah I mean I went out with my son to our local Japanese sake bar over the road here in, in Morningside last night great, he, and, great, I, and great I had my Japanese. proof in my have my proof in my bag and um and he and he took a look at it and he went to pat it. he's only 11 but he patted my shoulder and said this is nice mum I'm really proud of you, Mum. This is this is thank, thanks for thanks for inviting me out. Thanks for dinner. I was like, Ugh. okay, another choky moment. So yeah, it's been a it's been it's been a moment. But now I guess you know I've got to wait till it actually hits the shelves, and women will soon decide whether they like it or not. You can. It's a bit like you want everyone to love your baby, right? <laughs> so, um, so yeah, there's a bit of a wait now. Um, I guess I've produced a magazine, which is much more true to me. I know that. You know, I know it's much more me than anything else I've ever done. And I really think that magazines reflect their editors. But I've always done magazines, um, done. I've always edited magazines that um, I guess had a formula. And you can, you know, you can evolve them a little. Um, um, but, you know, at the end of the day, the Women's Day, New Zealand Women's Weekly, they've been there for long before me and I was just a custodian. Um, so you could only do so much. But actually to be given a blank canvas and say, what would you like to do? It's a pretty incredible opportunity. It's a challenge, but a welcome one. So now I'm like, oh, okay, I got that opportunity. I've done it. Let's just hope, hope people like it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> let's let's rewind six months to oh. to, um, to where this ultimately this moment sprang from, which mm. was the the collapse of Bauer. Do you want to? I mean, I, I feel like this will be at least the third podcast out of the spinoff that has discussed that. But I. For, I don't know, and I'm sure our listeners won't ever tire of hearing about that because it was it was it was an event like unlike anything our media has ever seen. Mm. Talk me through that that day, and then the process of picking yourself up and and ultimately mm. getting here. My heart's beating just thinking about it. To be honest, because you know I worked in media for thirty years, um, and I guess if you work in media, you always know a redundancy is a possibility, but um, you know. I always thought I'll just ride this joyous wave as long as I can because I just loved what I've, every job I've done I've loved. I've been very blessed like that. But, yeah, I didn't see that day coming. And people always ask me that because I was manage, managing editor of the Mass Market Women's title. So I was across Australian Women's Weekly, Women, New Zealand Women's Weekly and Women's Day uh, and Lucky Break. Um, so, you know, I had a big stable of magazines to look after. People saying, you must have known, you must have seen it coming. I really didn't. I really didn't. Even when I went on that Zoom call that morning, um, April 2nd, someone told me the other day, it's only six months ago. Um, yeah, I really didn't see any of that coming. So 
I mean, I, I hate to go back and reflect on it that day in particular. It's really still pretty raw, um, and I guess I'm in a much more optimistic space right now. But, you know, I couldn't take it personally, but you can't help I mean, I now know, it, you know, it's not personal, but you can't help it at the time. I had such a personal relationship with my... I felt like I had such a personal relationship with my readers in particular and my team. So, yeah, it was brutal. It was really, really tough. And, and at the time, not being able to get together with all your mates from work as a yeah. leader was really tough. Not being able to go to the pub, not being able to wrap my arms around them. Um, you know, all I could do was send an email, you know, and pick up the phone and talk, 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 talk to people. Thank God the sun was shining. <laughs> um, and... Yeah, it was really, really tough. So, I mean, I I was really incredibly proud after um, the shutdown at Bauer at how many of my team picked themselves up and were just so productive and creative, but I was inert for a while. <laughs> I really couldn't do anything. I've got two kids at home, so and a dog, which was fantastic. <laughs> I had a dog at that time. Um, and, yeah, I thought, actually, when you go through something like that, to be at home um, with your family and really think about what's most important in life, it was pretty, I, I was pleased to be at home with the family. Um, as much as I kind of felt like I should be with my team, it was actually really nice to be forced to be home to heal, really. Um, so then I didn't do anything for a while, and um, yeah, just walked the dog, enjoyed, enjoyed that time in some ways, but yeah, I've never been unemployed before, so I did, and I've always been the main breadwinner, so that was pretty tough, actually just thinking, <gasps> you know, what's next? Um, you know, I got redundancy, I was made redundant, but you know, that, that figure only ever goes down, doesn't it? And I couldn't go on job seeker. I was like, I didn't, what happens now? I don't mm. know. So I was worried for a while. I thought I had to choose a new career, to be honest. I thought, yeah, because okay. the whole, it was, it, it, in that period of time, it felt like Bell was the first, but it wasn't necessarily going to be the only. Like, it, mm. because things have stabilized and recovered since, I think we forget just how cataclysmic that moment yeah. felt. So I totally understand thinking yeah. it's a new career, not a yeah. new media venture. Yeah, and I know they, they, I know my boss was, you know, fighting the, the government decision for us to be deemed non-essential and I was hanging on to that hope. Can we talk about that? Because there was, I mean, I, I reported on some of this at the time and there was a real dispute. The government was very firm that the, that this decision was not related to the, the, the decision to make them non-essential, which I still believe mm. was a bad decision. What, what, what's your take on it? And, and do you think it was justified, that the, the decision to, you know, like I remember... Um, to deem us non-essential? Yeah. and, and, and no, I think that was a misstep. I really do. I mean, yeah, no The only item in the supermarket. Nowhere right? else in the world. I, I just don't believe in shutting down media at times like this, full stop, whether, and if you can, as a magazine or any type of media, you know, I think media has such a critical role at sharing information. And, and I, you know, I thought about New Zealand Women's Weekly in particular, and the listener, you know, mm, these magazines, mm. are, they, they, they are media. You can't say they're not media. Well, just the, <laughs> um, the pace so of them doesn't, doesn't dictate the function of them. Absolutely. You know? We're still sharing really critical information and I, for me it was also about those thousands tens of thousands of subscribers many of them lonely and at home and isolated at this time and I yeah. really thought you know that subscribe I thought you know because it didn't happen straight away that we after lockdown that we weren't we were produced from a couple of issues from home and I was we were all sort of united and for these subscribers in particular thinking you know they'll they'll have this little this, this one communication with the outside world. I thought of the rest homes who couldn't have visitors, yeah. you know. I was thinking at least their subscription wrapped in plastic is going to get through. But anyway, it's it's the past now. But, yeah, I you know, I think the government did an incredible job leading us through that time. But, yeah, I mean, of course it's my area, but I think, yeah, that was a mistake. Do, do you think that that was the straw that broke the camel's back? I mean, there was, there's a, was a dispute. It, it never was resolved about whether... Had that decision not been made, whether Bauer would have sort of toughed it out or whether they were just looking for an excuse? Mm, yeah, I, Bauer was an incredibly, and Bauer New Zealand was a very profitable company and doing exceptionally well. And I know that year on year, year we were doing really, really well. And that's quite hard to watch all those headlines assuming that we were, you know, yeah. having catastrophic times because we, we, we weren't. We were doing really, really well. So, I mean, I don't know. There's only probably handful of people that know the truth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, what was clear, they definitely wanted out of the Australian New Zealand market. It wasn't just the New Zealand market. Um, and, you know, I guess the Mercury uh, private equity deal has been on the table for quite some time. So, you know, I, I wonder if these two things were linked. But anyway, I don't really know for sure. All I know mm. is that it was a really 
um, profitable, um, successful business here in New Zealand, and magazines are. You know, we love magazines in New Zealand. There's there's, there's still a place for them. So, and was yeah. that that must have been. When you did pick yourself up off the floor and decided, unfortunately, the hooks were in and you couldn't just mm. just change career, you know, it. T- tell me about how you ultimately came to launch, not just one, yeah. but like a whole, a whole stable well, of magazines. A, there was a step in between, which I haven't really talked about, but um, this is a, you know, this, yeah. This, this yeah, I, I actually, it. yeah, I... I um, there was a point when I realised that they were bringing in the Australian issues of Women's Day uh, and AWW, you know, they're just bringing in the Australian issues. I remember getting that call and thinking that made sense from a business decision. They're going to just keep bringing them in. They'll be hugely profitable. They'll do really well. It made sense. You know, it was mm. great to see the mastheads back on the shelf, but without any New Zealand content. Um, and I kind of was hoping for a role in that, to be honest. I was thinking, oh, how can I get New Zealand stories? It's always, for, always mm. for me about New Zealand stories. How can I get New Zealand stories? And anyway, in that time... Um, it was actually Sophie Neville that said to me, um, who's my associate editor, um, she said, you know, maybe we're going to have to start to do something. Maybe we can, Maybe it's up to us. And I was like, I hadn't, thought, I hadn't been mentally and emotionally <laughs> up for thinking like that. I was just sort of hoping someone would buy one of these magazines I loved and, you know, potentially I could get a role then. That's, mm. that's how I was thinking. Um, I, I hadn't, yeah. Anyway, I ended up... Um, trying to buy the weekly, New Zealand Women's Weekly. And I spent months on that. And I think I came really, really, really close. So I had, um, and yeah, it was interesting because I love Women's Day, don't get me wrong. I was the editor for nearly 10 years. But um, at this time, at, the, at this time in a pivotal time in history, suddenly New Zealand Women's Weekly and its role meant so much to me. That's the magazine that, you know, it was, I edited it for five years. It was the first magazine I edited, and it's a bit like your first boyfriend has always got a place in your heart, you well, know. And it also, it feels like if you were to describe the sort of four or five most significant magazines in New mm. Zealand history, the weekly yeah. would be yeah. one of them. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, Women's Day was the the most profitable mag in this whole stable for Bauer, so it got a lot of attention from me. But I, my, I always loved New Zealand Women's Weekly, so I went down the acquisition route, and I was very—I actually rang John Barnett, who was the I used to work for when I was a publicist. He's the head of South Pacific Pictures for many years, a great producer of New Zealand film and television, and his passion is telling New Zealand stories, which is like mine. Um, we just do it through different um, mm. vehicles. So I just rang him up to say, "Do you think this is a good idea?" You know, and he. We had a conversation. He said, I think it's a great idea. And um, he offered to help. So he didn't just offer to help. Um, he, he, put in his, he, he also put his heart and soul into, me, uh, into the acquisition of the, the magazine. And um, we came really close. But at the 11th hour, um, yeah, we'd written the press release. We had the chairwoman from the board. We were all geared up. And we would have been on shelves. Um, you know, they delayed that acquisition process. Yeah. Um, but we would have been on shelves early July, you know, so well, that would have been months ago. And I've got, so at, that was another blow. So right at the 11th hour, they pulled it from, obviously the, the sale of um, Bauer to Mercury happened in the background yeah. right at that time. And they just decided to keep and it. And they, they decided to hang on to the six most profitable magazines in the stable. So right, crazy. So um, <laughs> I always thought, it is what it is, but I always thought um, New Zealand Women's Week would only thrive under local independent ownership. Mm. Um, but John Bennett Barnett was incredibly generous with his time and his wisdom and I'm so grateful I learnt through so much through that process he was such a good man and he yeah so he was there to back me and and um I was sorry I couldn't do it for him and I think he was sorry it didn't go through for me and so but anyway I'm still very I'm still grateful for the process and you know I haven't given up hope that that magazine won't may one day be back in local ownership (laughs) In the meantime, though, in the meantime. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was another disappointment, and I guess I kept that one pretty close to my chest. There were only a couple of people that knew about it, so they probably just thought I was sitting there like a lump at home, <laughs> doing nothing, <laughs> and sort of four months on. <laughs> as, a, as a kind of sit at a lump at home kind of a person, to oh, be you don't know me that well, Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be people hearing, people know that I was sort of attached to my beanbag with my beer in hand for quite a while there. Um, <laughs> Uh, and so, yes, yeah, so then out of the blue, um, obviously they announced um, Bauer 2, as they were calling it, were coming back, but they didn't have a role for me there, um, which is probably another, you know, another, yeah. another hurt. But well, anyway. Given, given all that you've done, did... I don't know. But anyway, I, at the same time, weirdly out of the blue, um, um, I got a call from Greg Partington about um, 
who I knew the name, but I didn't really know him. Um, and he said, do you want to come and see me? And that was like, that's not that long ago. It's the last week of July. <laughs> really isn't yeah. that long ago. I mean, I, weirdly, I have no concept of time in the last six months, to no, be honest. Someone told me that, that April 2nd was six-month anniversary on Sunday. I was like, whoa, I've got no idea. It feels like three years. It feels like two months. I've got no no concept of time this year. But anyway, he gave me a call and said, would you like to come on in? And I don't know how much I should say about this, but he had been looking at acquisition too um, and also had titles he was keen on. Mm. So so he had, he's a man that um, absolutely loves magazines. Um, uh, yeah, and he's quite a private man, so he's been very, you know, He's been he, he which is a shame for you, Duncan, because he'd be in a brilliant interview sometime. <laughs> he is a really brilliant man. Um, but yeah, he he just said, "Look, I'd I'd like to set up a magazine publishing business, and I'd like you to run it for me." And I thought, "Oh, oh well, oh, really? What would you do?" And so we sort of weighed up. Sort of there was still sort of some sort of acquisition discussions on the table, and this idea of starting four fresh new magazines. I don't know where the name the number four came from. I think I made it up. <laughs> I really think I did make it up. I mean, that's you get offered these opportunities, and so I was sort of weighing up the I guess the financials for both, and you know one would have had recognisable masters that you know would have um, attracted advertisers quickly, you know, and the other yeah. one's more of a long term game, I guess. But you need um, you need some. Scale and breadth to be able to get in front of mm. media agencies and get yeah, them excited. Yeah. So four seems like a number. That yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, so we sort of we put the the acquisition um, idea behind us. Actually, we both fell in love with the idea of starting these new fresh titles. I mean, if there was ever going to be a time to do it, it's now. You know, everyone's attitudes. Life is different. It's changed. I don't think we can speak to people in the same way we spoke to them a year ago because it's different. Mm. The world has changed, especially for I think women's magazine readers in particular. Um, I talk about women because they are the main purchasers of magazines in New Zealand. So anyway, he invited me in and I guess I came up with those four pillars for the magazines. Um, I started August 3. I only worked that out the other day. I wanted to send an email to the team to say thanks for all your hard work getting the first issue of Women to bed and I looked back at my email saying, well, how long have we been here? And it was August 3 was my first yeah. day in the job. I found an email to the guy in IT so saying, you, help. So, <laughs> so that was two, two, two months, months ago. to the day before, yeah. before deadline. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so he... He, yeah, he was very clear that, you know, this is, and so this is, yeah, he, I shouldn't talk about Greg too much because he likes to say, well, behind the scenes, he's a very private man, but um, I have to be, I have to mention him because I'm just so thankful and grateful for the opportunity. You know, I've edited, I've worked in media for a long, long time, but I've never been given this opportunity to start something from um, scratch, so that's. An amazing opportunity. He's given me incredible freedom and independence. He doesn't know what these things are going to look like. He's got no idea. He Just says, "I'm not he your audience." He, he doesn't. He doesn't. I came up with these four pillars. I came up. We came up for the Hamasters. We actually did a. Um, we, we put it out to the, the wider. Um, you know, I sent out a the piece of research. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, I sent it out. Yeah, and and so. I think I came up with woman. I always wanted it to be woman right from the beginning. Yeah. Um, but I guess in my head, I thought about those four um, pillars, and I thought, um, Greg, I knew he wanted to do a home title. Um, and it's quite a cluttered market, to be honest. But um, well, it's slightly less cluttered now than it was. Six yeah, ago. yeah. But there's still quite a few magazines mm. in that in that territory. But I guess all of them are reasonably upmarket. And he he, you know, the only thing he did say is that I want these to be broad in the yeah. appeal. Um, so I thought that, t- that that was home magazine. I think uh, I thought of um, a well-being magazine. There wasn't really a New Zealand well-being magazine, and I th- thought at a time when health, everyone's prioritising their health and well-being like never before. Um, mm. uh, this was the time to do a, a local magazine, and then um, a domestic travel magazine, Scout. I thought, you know, we can't go anywhere else. So let's um, talk about Scout. What, what made you think that name was ready for rehabilitation after... I hadn't even thought about the... <laughs> The, the yeah. Our friend Tamar Munch pointed that out to me. I was like, I can't even remember that. I've got a she, she will attest to the fact I have a terrible memory. So that was one thing I blocked out, to be honest. So yeah, we'll move on. From, we love the name Scar. No, the thing is, it is actually a good name, and and I think as much as I mean, I personally very much enjoyed covering Scout, and I think it was like a quite a popular thing. It it, it was 
also very brief and, you know, probably four or five years ago, it, it, it doesn't, and it's particularly for your audience, I'm certain that no matter how hard MediaWorks tried, I don't think that they're particularly aware that, no. <laughs> that it existed. Now. I'm actually even wondering if I was overseas. I don't know how long ago. I was like, well, was I in Melbourne when that happened? Or wasn't? No. <laughs> anyway, I've blocked it from my memory. Um, but yeah, those are, the, those, are the four, those are the four titles. I can talk to you a little bit more about those later. But for as far as the process went, yeah, so August 3 was my first day um, in the seat. I mean, I'd done quite a few bit of work on the sort of financials of it but prior to that, but really August 3, I was like, right, I need a team. So my first step was getting my editors. And how big, how big is your team and how did you sort of go about finding um, them? Literally picking up the phone. So there's 20 of us. Um, I should count. I should look at the org chart, shouldn't I? I did count. But it was what I found fa- fascinating was how many people didn't want to come back five days a week, even right. though they'd been without an income for four months or whatever it was, that, that people have really, you know, re- re-evaluated what's important, which includes, includes their time. So lots of three and four days. And um, it's great to be able to have people working more remotely now. You know, that's something that's happened this year. We used to always be quite staunch about people being in the office. And now I've, I'm like, whatever you want. <laughs> I'm yeah. very relaxed about that. Um, but it was really picking up the phone. I mean, some people reached out to me. I started with the editors. Um and went from there. So it was really, you know, I think it was a week of me just literally picking up the phone and ringing people. A, people, a couple of people went, oh, your timing's terrible, you're a week too late, because, you know, there are other people recruiting by then. But we've got a fantastic team. That's the thing about um, the closure of Bowers, you know, the, I don't know, 240-odd people, but um, there was so much talent in that building. So mm. there was it was great to be able to pick up the phone to these women and uh, give them this opportunity again and so I'm so grateful so many of them took a leap of faith because obviously it's there was nothing they didn't they didn't know what it was <laughs> you know there was nothing tangible to say come and work for this magazine it was just a we didn't even have a name at that stage for the but magazine it, in some ways that attracts like a particular kind of person who is finds that interesting and not scary yeah yeah one of them in particular was um Vanessa Marshall the editor of Haven so she yeah she she had other opportunities to be honest at the same time but and so mine was literally. I was on a roadie down, and I was with my mother-in-law down. I'd taken her on a trip to Wellington, and we were in the wire wrapper on a bad phone line. And I rang her up, and it was based on a phone call. She, oh, I was about to do something else, but oh, this this is what I want. I want to do this. So for people to take that leap of faith, you know, is I'm, it's pretty amazing. You feed off that energy, right? Yeah. How um, have you? So obviously, I mean, assembling a team and developing titles is is one thing, and 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 not a small one. But there is also, ultimately, the the model requires, uh, you know, distribution, and mm. it requires sales. Um, it's new for me, the distribution side of it's new for me. So how how have those two two pieces received um, yeah. received you? Like, do you feel? What, what's your level of confidence like in this in this? Yeah, uh, well, business? well, from a from a distribution point of view, it was fascinating. So, I mean, because I'd gone through the acquisition, I'd sort of been on the phone to lots of people, like the distributors, printers, that side of it. Um, so, I'd already, you know, was sort of they knew they I, I knew more than I did six months earlier, I suppose, about that process. But I needed to go and do the print negotiations and the distribution negotiations. One of the key things was. Um, Going to you know to our via Avato to our key um, supermarkets, for example, um, and so that those conversations, I was just so heartened. So even going into the countdowns of the world, and um, you know you're going with a title that doesn't exist, and it's really competitive normally for those sort of pockets. I mean, obviously they've been emptier than usual this year, um, those magazines' pockets, but they were so um, encouraging um, and just so excited. I mean, they know, I guess they know me and my team, but. They also know that magazines are having a bit of a moment here and globally. You know, people mm. are, um, this year, yeah, independent local magazines are doing particularly well. Um, uh, the distributors have said that some of those publishers are saying they haven't seen, you know, revenue like this for years. It's great for them. Um, so I guess the people that are deciding where you're placed at checkout um, know that mags are doing well and are saying, come on board. So I've got, I've been really, like Countdown, for example, has given me premium checkout check out for women for the first three months at check out that for me is amazing I thought I'd end up in the magazine yeah. um, aisles um, but yeah because well, so those check out spots are, are pretty key yeah I mean, and in some ways like like I, we've, we've you've just shown me the cover it, it does feel like you haven't gone to replicate the look and feel of 
uh, Women's Day, Women's Weekly, and so on. It, it feels like it's almost because the demographic of those magazines was, was relatively old. It feels like you're potentially trying to, to shift younger. There, there's something about the masthead and the layout yeah. that feels like a hybrid of that and something which is a bit more kind of clean in design. That's true. So, I mean, I'm a fortnightly magazine, which hasn't been done before. Everyone's received that reasonably well. They're like, what? But, um, and the reason for that, the other, the, the Haven, Scout and Thrive are all monthly magazines. Women I've done as a fortnightly magazine and I've I've done it because... It should be a monthly in many ways, look and feel. Like traditionally, it's perfect bound, it's glossy, it's it's mm. you know the it's you know it's um, the pagination is higher. But I just didn't want to wait a month. <laughs> that was ridiculous. But I thought I've come from a weekly background. I'm like, there are so many New Zealand stories to tell. I am not waiting a month between magazines and weeklies. In some ways, I think there are lots of weeklies and they do their job wonderfully well. But also, I'm keenly aware that as much as I love my listener, it's, it's you know I don't get through all of those these days. You know, it was launched in a world where there wasn't, you know, my all my digital subscriptions to get through as well. I've got so much to read that you know I love it dearly, but I don't really read 52 weeks a year. So um, I just thought fortnightly was a nice rhythm. I really did. I thought it sort of sits between the weeklies and the monthlies, and I've done that all the way along. So the so the um, pagination sits between the weeklies and the monthly. The price of the magazine sits between the weeklies and the monthly. And I think the look and feel sits somewhere, probably more in a monthly. I, I want it to be a bit more modern and contemporary um, than what we've seen out there. So, yeah, even the design sits somewhere between a, a weekly and a monthly, but probably leaning towards more like a monthly. So, yeah, I've made it up. Can you tell? <laughs> yeah, but, that's, I mean, that, but that must be a lot of fun. After yeah. coming from being the custodian of mm. these you know, ultimately, like there, there, um, there was a lot that you'd be very scared to change. Yeah. Whereas this, you're, you're, not, you're not changing anything. You're no, inventing. No. Have you enjoyed that process? I really have. I guess the mag. I think the magazine is probably more reflective of me and then and my interests and my loves than any of the other magazines I've edited. I guess it's more true to me. Is what I should say. It's more true to what I'm interested in and what I hope women will be interested in. But ultimately. They will tell me. <laughs> they they tell you when the um, that barcode gets you know bleeped <laughs> and you see the sales come in. They'll soon tell you. Um, what they like. That must be so, that, yeah, even more so. That there's the emotion of the first one going going to bed, and then there's the the yeah. pure terror of the first. Yeah, sales and who knows? Totally. You know, I've had to do guesstimates, but who knows? Um, yeah, fingers crossed. I hope people love it, but um, it's definitely fresh. I know it's fresh. The Fold is brought to you by O-Media, making brands unmissable and public spaces better across Aotearoa, with over 4,000 out-of-home advertising sites nationwide across both street furniture and retail centres. I'm super grateful to O-Media for enabling us to make unmissable connections with Kiwis. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, Jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Um, but yeah, you know, I actually walked out my gate this morning to come here and I went, oh, maybe I should have gone with the blue cover. <laughs> maybe I should have gone with the blue cover. But, you know, it is what it is now. I've got to leave it to the universe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, yes, so so the, I guess there's a distribution circulation. That's that side of things. And we've been fantastically supported. And I think we've been wonderfully supported because we're local. And then, of course, there's the advertising mm. um, side of things. Um, and I guess what I wanted was a couple of key launch partners on board and I was really heartened. I mean, some people have reached out to me, which has been amazing. I wasn't on LinkedIn until <laughs> the last few months, and thank goodness I was, because I've you know a couple of advertisers have come to me via that. So we've got, and then there are a couple of advertisers I just really wanted to approach because I just love them as brands and thought they'd be a wonderful affiliation. So we have um, uh, the Market and Resine as launch partners, and they all, they've got a fantastic um, offering throughout um, both both our print and digital platforms. Um, so that's great, but yeah, quite a few other advertisers in there too. So I think once you can actually show <laughs> the uh, magazine to people, um, then there'll be different kinds of interests. But yeah, we've the first issue we've done really well. Now we've got to keep it up. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to touch briefly on your career, bef- you know, to, to, to rewind a few decades because 
the the like I, I agree that the, the independent media in New Zealand feels like it's having a moment. Um, yeah. And you know, for a while there, it felt like the, you know the spin-off felt like quite a lonely thing. And now suddenly there is you know there's you know, Simon Fowl Green's got mm. his thing. There's the new Metro um, launched the new North and South team. The School Road uh, Ensemble. There's just like a lot of energy in the sector, which is awesome. But it almost feels like it's grown out of a necessity. I wondered if you could just talk a little bit about when you first came into the media, like the the true, because you've worked, you know, you've worked publicist on Shortland Street, you've worked, you know, around homes and one, you know, at TVNZ during when it was just a behemoth, <laughs> uh, like in terms of the way it dominated the culture, like no other. What what to describe that scene and and um, you know when media was was king in a way mm. that it, it just you know it's it's different now. It's a, it is it's really a different. <laughs> it really is different. I've never actually thought. I don't. I don't reflect that much, to be honest, Duncan. I always. I'm always too busy moving forward. Um, but yeah, I started out. My dad's a journalist, and so my brother's a journalist. We were sort of in media, a newspaper family, really. And I started out often little suburban <laughs> newspapers, and then very quickly. Um, could see the space between um, media and entertainment, um, which led me to publicity, and I um, ended up via publicity, ending up at TVNZ quite quickly. I don't know. Um, I guess I was mid twenties, I think. Um, so yeah, I became. I was the the TVNZ, the one TVNZ publicist, publicity manager um, in the Holmes era. God, it was fun. It was great. Richie, Richard and Judy were there. Karen and Jim were doing the weather. Um, I just look back then and I just think, yeah, the audacity of who I was. I mean, I was really young to be the TVNZ publicity manager managing these people's media careers. It's quite funny. I look back now and go, who did I think I was? But I was always a bit young for what I was doing all the way through. Um, And, and yeah, I just, I don't know why. I just had, I just had... um, I think it was my mum. I just always thought I could do anything. I put my, you know, girls, there was always those bumper stickers saying, girls can do anything. I think I grew up <laughs> believing it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was, my late 20s, that's where I was, between TVNZ, Shortland Street. Um, I did a, I did get um, brought into magazines for a short time by Wendell Nissen as her deputy. Um, I sort of moved across from TVNZ, but, again, the magazines, so powerful back then. Mm. Um Women's Day, so I was the Deputy on New Zealand Women's Weekly and Women's Day for Wendell for a short time before going back to publicity. So yeah, TVNZ was, that was a great, great time. I just learnt so much. Um, so yes, it was the other side of the media, but obviously because I had been a journalist, I understood what journalists what what? wanted. Mm. So I was often on the, I was always knocking on the door of the listener editor saying, you know, making their jobs easy. I guess that's what I was doing. I was just after cover, cover, cover. I was always after covers. I just wanted to cover, cover, cover. And I was like, you know, I always had these ideas. And, you know, I'll do the photo shoot. I'll organise the photo shoot. But, yeah, those shoots with um, Jane Usher taking Paul Holmes's, you know, portraits. And we did those a couple of times for the listener. And Pamela Sterling coming along and writing the, the stories, you know. So I was sort of involved from the other side from quite a young age, Um it was. It was. They were good times. I remember going to, in a chopper, to get Judy Bailey to come back to do her, um, ad, you know, one news ad campaign photos from her, um, from the Coromandel because every year it didn't matter how time, many times the stars said, "I'm going to be on holiday on these dates," you know. <laughs> so Hutchies would always leave the ads to the last minute, and suddenly I remember going, "Yeah, choppering over to get her and choppering back." Not those budgets these days. That's, that's the thing, right? Like, and the, the budgets are, were a reflection of the power and yeah. the, 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 the centrality of the, of the media. Now it doesn't feel – it's strange, right? Because I don't think that the media is drastically less consumed. It just can't command the, the, the space or the, the, the income as mm. of right, and that changes the it feeling. It does change it. I mean, I have to, we did a story on Renee Chignall for Women's Day last year, year before, um, and looking back at all that old footage of Renee Chignall when, you know, the, all those, all the cameras and the journalists chasing her to the court, you know, there was just so much competition, wasn't there, mm. for current affairs in particular. So, um, you know, I do miss that. You know, there were just docos on night after night and there were yeah. just so many current affairs shows. I think it was a really exciting time um, in the 90s, yeah. <laughs> the last millennium. <laughs> I know, but but then, uh, but, you know, and then now it almost feels like the only people left 
are people are just tragic, you know, <laughs> who like can't can't leave, you know. Yeah, I mean that's how I felt about magazines for a little while. I was just that's what I used to say. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, lots of mates that were going off to do the you know corporate um, PR jobs. I'm just like, I'm just totally. gonna write. I just love this. I'm just gonna write it as long as I can. <laughs> yeah, well, that's because that's because um, I feel like so, in some ways, like the the. Sometimes when I think about it, it's like we're surrounded by ghosts of like amazingly talented people who are working in various comms yeah. jobs or, or working for the government in yeah. comms. And, you know, they were, you know, they're like that. there is something that's sort of sad about that. But then there's also just the, there's like a beautiful kind of gallows camaraderie yeah. <laughs> of the left behind. Yeah. And just, they're lovely, the people that have reached out over the last year from those gallows. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, so I, d- I did that and that was fantastic. Then I went to Channel 7 in Australia. Yeah, I did a bit of, I mean, I worked for um, South Pacific Pictures looking, I did. I wanted to do a bit of film publicity before I left. So I set up my own um, little publicity thing between magazines and, and heading to Australia. Um, and then, yeah, I was at um, Channel 7 Melbourne. I was their publicity manager for five years. Um, and again, yeah, it was a fat time for television. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just the big shows, the big stars, the big media. Um, Does Australia still have some of that, that feeling? That, that, that They that did 90s? when I was there. Yeah. I mean, I've been back a while now. So that was, um, I went in the early 2000s. So, um, yeah, you could never spend your budget, put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> you, could, you could throw so many parties and you could throw so, you know, send out all the PR paraphernalia in the world and, you know, entertain to your heart's content. You could never use that budget. It was amazing. And, of course, it was all based on relationships at the end of the day. It was actually just, you know, as a publicity manager, having a great relationship with the editors of the newspapers. I think the thing about Australia is there's actually not that many outlets. Do you know what I mean? Like if you're mm. in a town like Melbourne, you've got the, you know, Two big newspapers, you know, big radio stations. It's it's interesting that they're more. They come back to New Zealand where there's dozens and dozens and dozens of radio stations. You yeah, know, it's, it's different in Australia. The media, the, and and that and consolidation is often something that that people talk about mm. needing, and it does feel like. Mm. Having a thin or uh, spreading the audience thinly doesn't. You know, there are good, good and bad things about it, but it doesn't it, always help. It was the. It was. It, I had a couple of opportunities to come back from Australia. Um, to edit magazines. I've never edited a magazine. I'd only ever been a deputy. I didn't really know what I was doing at that time in magazines. But um, it was the New Zealand Women's Weekly that was the one that got me back. It was Rick Neville, um, your journalist Alice Neville's dad, um, rang up and said, you know, would you come back and do New Zealand Women's Weekly? And I was just like, oh, that one pulled at my heart. You know, yeah. it's just well, such a... It's it's it still pulls at my heart today. So that, that's why I came back, really. Um, and because I had a little kid at that stage that... Um, yeah, I think everyone comes home when they have children, don't they? Um, so yeah, I came back to to edit the weekly. So yeah, that that's and then and then was a bit more growing up and just stayed in these jobs for a long time. <laughs> but yeah, I went from the Women's Weekly. Um, then of course um, came over to edit. Uh, we headed over to ACP as it was then to edit Women's Day, and then we had that wonderful um, window where we got to buy the. New Zealand magazine, so that was fantastic. That was like a dream come true because then I had both these magazines I loved. And I, and it's funny when I was at New Zealand Women's Weekly <clears throat> as editor, there was always this pressure to downage the weekly and um, take on Women's Day. Um, and of course, there was I had this, they had this big project research piece I had um, inherited, which was always about you know making it younger and funkier. And of course, that's not who the New Zealand Women's Weekly really no. is. And so to actually when it came over to um, uh, ACP as it was then, and I got to pull the Women's Day brands apart, Women's Day and New Zealand Women's Weekly, you know, overseeing both of them, that was a fantastic career movement because it really meant I could let the New Zealand Women's Weekly be true to its readers. I loved that. That was really great. Yeah, so it's weird because there is this, sometimes in media brands, having a crosstown rival is a a brilliant thing, Mm. you know, in the... And you see it throughout our media, like the, the Stuff Herald, yeah. TV3, T- TVNZ, the um, you know My FM flavor, you know. But fundamentally, like at times, you can stare too closely at them and not actually nat- just go to your natural position, yeah. just be. Absolutely, and you know, so often you'd see those. I used to do this drive by the dairies, look at the posters on a Sunday morning when we we're all in competition. A new idea was in the market too. I'd always get up early and go and look at the posters outside. Biggest disaster when two or three of them looked exactly the same, you know. And so there was always this brand confusion between yeah. which magazine was which, um, which was ridiculous for such powerhouse brands. So yeah, I loved being able to separate them. That was great. 
So now you're with the new the new titles. They are run out of and part or part owned by. Um, they're right. It's Greg Partington. Right. So they don't come so under Sandy Street. We're based at Sandy Street. There are several businesses based at Sandy Street, and this is one of them. So, so the, did, is, has there been any tension in terms of even that level of proximity and shared ownership with from you know knowing that media agencies, ad agencies can be quite competitive and prickly around that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, a, a couple of the guys have asked that question, but only a couple because I've been around a lot of agencies in the last um, few weeks have. and, yeah, <laughs> a couple have um, asked that question. And I guess, you know, to be honest, um, the, the, the the agency team at Stanley Street are pretty staunch about, you know, staying completely agnostic. You know, they are mm. very protected of, of that and I respect that and I kept well away to be honest so they're probably the last people I'll end up talking to as far as clients go to be honest I think I'm respectful of it. I'm mindful of it they're mindful of it if we're the, all if mindful the of it if the stink gets on you then it'll yeah. be quite hard for yeah, both yeah, parties yeah, yeah. To, Absolutely. to retain yeah. business right? so no we're not uh, yes we're based in the same building I mean to be honest where's Danny Street the building you know the people in the building has been incredible has been and I think everybody will benefit for this is their digital capacity is amazing so um as far as the building of websites, the social, those sites, that, that those are where, um, that, that's the resource that is wonderful to be able to pull on. But yeah, the agency teams stay very separate. <laughs> Good to hear. Um, so, and let's talk about digital, right? Because, I mean, there, there was a time when it was thought the, the print magazine would just sunset, and, and obviously that there are less titles than there were 10 years ago and certainly less copies printed, but there is a, a stubbornness to the magazine consumption, which obviously is why you're happily launching four titles. But, the, the you know, how does the digital piece sit with that? What is the function of digital uh, for, for well, School Road? to be honest, I think um, Greg... So, to be honest, Greg probably would have launched some digital-only magazines. That's wow. really his passion. I'm not supposed to talk about Greg, am I? But anyway, sorry, <laughs> sorry, Greg. Um, he's really passionate about digital magazines, and he and um, but he really strongly felt that um, uh, you need to offer offer digital subscriptions from the get-go, which is quite unusual here, I guess, in mm. New Zealand. But he just believes you've got to value that content um, and can't give it away. Um, and so it'll be a s- slow game, but. Um, we will have digital subscriptions right from the get-go. So you can get your print magazine, you can get your print from the retail, you can get your print subscription, you can get your digital subscription, um, or both. Uh, so, um, yeah, so we will have... Uh, and will that be like sort of cross-titles or individual No, individual. Titles? I mean, yeah. and that's for me as a joy because I've come from where we had all our brands hubbed. Yeah. And it just, to me, never quite They worked. don't get to hold their own No, and they have these right? great brands and such different audiences and you know even the our language our tone our convers- how we speak to readers is so different um with each brand so actually be able to have our own brands is fantastic so that is was a huge attraction to me for the job to be honest because I've got lots to learn in that digital space as well um and that's where some of Greg's team can really help us so I'm really excited about what they can bring to magazine publishing so we've looked at um so, uh lots of overseas models and yeah I mean it, I've, I've got sort of launch partners on for the first couple of months because we need to grow. It's a startup. There's only so many of us. There's mm. not there's not huge numbers. I don't have the same resources that I've had um, um, previously. So I have to be realistic, but um, I still want to, there'll be really interesting uh, ways we, we talk to our um, audiences via digital over the next few weeks. You'll see it. It's quite exciting, actually. Um, yeah, so it's hard to talk about it without actually seeing it. <laughs> it's funny because now the magazine's gone. I mean, I've had people working on the building of the website for, for weeks and weeks and weeks, um, and the digital editor has been flat out. But, of course, we've been getting that print magazine to the market, to, to the printer, and now I'm like conscious. I'm saying we probably just need to spend a couple of hours to get it t- today because <laughs> uh, it's happening any second. So, um, But, no, I'm really excited about how things are looking as far as um, the websites go. But, yeah, as far as content goes, it's going to take us a while. Um, so, but there will be lots of free content on our websites too. So, yes, a di- digital subscription will unlock absolutely everything. But there'll still be plenty of um, free content for people that just want to be part of our brand community without paying. <laughs> <laughs> um, Love them. <laughs> yeah, I have to say one of the things that I have been really amazed with in recent weeks is um, 
the amount of support for us from people reaching out to try and help us. As I've never had that. I guess I've always worked for someone else. Mm. Uh, and um, the likes of Sinead Boucher at Stuff have been amazing. She's just said, you know, what can we do to help? But I'm not used to getting offered that kind of help. But I guess it's, you know, she's 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 actually in my first issue. I've done a story on her because I find her fascinating. The fact what she's done this year is incredible. Um, but aside from the story, you know, she she was the one that reached out to me initially and just said, you know, we're really excited about what you're doing, and so are a lot of women I know. If there's anything I can do to help, you know, please let me know. And I've never really asked for help before, but I said okay. <laughs> well, it does it does feel like that the media in New Zealand has, in a relatively short period of time, gone from that sort of viciously competitive and, mm. and you know, enjoying... It's still there, enjoying. don't worry. It's, it's absolutely <laughs> still there. But there's also a sense that our real competition is, you know, headquartered in, in Silicon Valley and uh, and it's, you know, that it's, you, you wouldn't cheer if your Crosstown rival... Um, died because it would only feel like your day was was coming sooner and yeah. and there is a the the competition versus the like let's just you know we we all sort of the the more of us there are the the better mm. you, you know like like we want it feels like the project has convinced New Zealanders to to continue to rapaciously consume New Zealand media. Yeah. And then we'll fight over those people once yeah. we have them. But the big project is yeah. keeping them in the tent. And I totally agree. And and, and, and and women, I think people, you know, I know, you know, the, the, the fact that we're all about New Zealand women's stories, I think, has been really um, welcomed because I know that the mags I used to work on are having to take so much more Australian content. Mm. So that for me was a, 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 I was that deeply It's not a small me. thing. It's no, not a small we, thing. I think we, we just we lost so many New Zealand women's voices this year, not just through all the writers that suddenly lost their jobs, but the people that actually got to share their stories. Yeah. You know, They suddenly didn't have a vehicle for so many of those stories. So having all the space to actually just talk to New Zealand women is fantastic. And I think that's also, it's local, but also I think people can see that is needed right now more than ever, to be honest. All right. I think that's a great place to leave it. Thank you so much, okay. Cedo. I know that you've got a packed day and uh, another three magazines to get out the door, so I'll let you do that. But thank you so much for coming up. Hey, thank you, Duncan. That was The Fold, brought to you by our partners at O Media, making brands unmissable and public spaces better across Aotearoa. Huge thanks to O Media for sponsoring this episode of The Fold and enabling us to make unmissable connections with Kiwis. Talo for lover. I'm Madeline Chapman, editor at The Spin-Off. If you have the means, consider supporting our high-quality journalism by becoming a Spin-Off member. Sign up now at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.